welcome to Unfortunately Required Reading, where we are currently doing a sound check with, yeah. with the child. Welcome so to sound check. Um, this episode is called Slavery and Spiteful Ghosts. Yes. Uh, abandon all hope, ye who into here, hoping this is going to be a fun podcast. Yeah. There, there's, there's as, as you would put in notes, there's no humor here. No, none. Normally I try to come up with a funny title, but just no. There's no. no. Um, we are covering Beloved by Toni Morrison, which is a horror novel. Yeah. Which I, is kind I, of awesome that a horror novel has so much acclaim. Yeah, and I, I underline that at the end of our outline again, that uh, I think people tend to forget this is a horror novel. Mm-hmm. And then when it's horrific, they're surprised. Hold up. So a little bit of content warning. Um, there is major sexual abuse yep. meetings and slavery in this book. And oh, in history. Oh, and infanticide. Yeah. Yeah. There's some infanticide. So uh, if you're super sensitive about any of that, uh, maybe skip this one or just play the beginning and then run away. Yeah, but also understand that slavery was really this horrible because uh, we'll probably talk about this towards the end that the whole like kind of uh, I'll go ahead and say like whitewashing of slavery. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't so bad. Uh, you know, they were taken care of and stuff like I very tired of those narratives. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I'm happy to give a content warning, but I'm also going to say that. Do not use this as an excuse to bury your head in the sand about how bad slavery was. Amen. I agree with that. Thank you. So what are we drinking? So we have a Behringer Main and Vine Red Moscato, which is the cheapest possible wine that I could get at the Target, uh, because I was encouraged to get a wine that was red and that hurt. Mm-hmm. We also have a, a smoky cheddar on the cheese tray, because uh, I think it's one of our favorites. Like, it's delicious. We respond very, very well to smoke and cheese. I mean, yeah, let's light something on fire. (laughs) The patriarchy? Sure. Yes. Um, So we were joking around that initially we were going to just get do straight up liquor. And then red is a big color in the book. And then it was just like, what will hurt? Let's get a really cheap red wine. Yeah, I I feel like there are sins that need to be atoned for when it comes to this book. Well, you said this kind of tastes like communion wine, right? It does taste like communion wine. Oh, yeah. Oh, that that tastes like college. Yeah. Can I'm, you taste all $3.99? I can. I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna drink this and atone for horrible things I did in my 20s. Yeah. Oh. I was going to get Lano Sweet Red, but I didn't want to uh, besmirch the good name of Lano. <laughs> <laughs> Lano Sweet Red is also uh, that and Rex Goliath. <laughs> Those are the wines of my bad decisions. <laughs> Have you never had Rex Goliath? I think I have. But, Rex, uh, Rex Goliath, one has a giant rooster on it. Yes, that's my favorite part of that bottle. And yeah. I'm like, I'm walking by, I'm like, oh. That's Rex Goliath. It's also horrifyingly cheap. Like, almost like yellowtail cheap. Like, there's no, this legally can't be wine and be this cheap. That's my, my favorite part about my parents' town is there are two liquor stores and then the grocery store sells just wine and beer. Yes. And the wine is just awful. But it's it's one of those things that's like when you're living in the middle of nowhere, you're like, it's fine. This is fine. I'm good with this. Yeah. And then you move to a city like San Antonio and it's like, oh, let's go to the central market. And it's like, wait, I'm sorry. And there's hold up racks upon racks upon racks of wine. Wine rack. Have you seen that bra before that like it's a. Oh, that has like a, the pockets. Yes. Yeah. You yeah put the it. wine in it. Also, fun fact, if you get a Trenta cup from Starbucks, you can fit an entire bottle of wine in there. I have never been so excited in my life. <laughs> it's just coffee. Um, ma'am, you seem to be slurring all of Shut your words. Shut up! Fight me! You're just an agent of the system, man! Is that how Ernest Hemingway would hide his wine? Is in a Trenta Starbucks cup? I think so, but I also think he kind of, like, wouldn't give a... I was about to say, like, would yeah. Ernest Hemingway hide the fact that he's drunk? Would you have, like, a straw inside of, like, a bottle or something? I can just see that, like, just a big old straw, like, going down the bottom. It's fine. Yeah. You just hear him, like, slurping at the bottom. Yeah, like a, like a boba straw. <laughs> just like, I gotta get as much in my system as possible. You can tell that I don't want to talk about this because we're stalling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, normally, my, uh, short story long is, uh, like, a couple paragraphs. This is a whole page, so, uh... Buckle up, kids. Yep. 124 was spiteful, full of a baby's venom. And that's just that's just how the book starts. Yeah, that's line one, homie. 
So Seth, a former slave, and her daughter Denver live in Cincinnati in a house haunted by a baby ghost. Their grandmother, Baby Suggs, is dead. Denver's brothers have fled after seeing baby handprints in a cake and other really scary shit in the house. Nope. Nope. So Baby Suggs was exhausted and depressed after a whole life of slavery, which is why she died. And all she requested before she died was color. She didn't want to eat. She didn't want to do anything. She just wanted things that were colorful. Okay. Starting off our whole thing with reds and pinks and stuff like that. Yeah. So, Setha, it's going to go back and forth a little bit, guys. So, Setha killed her own baby trying to keep it from being sold back into slavery. Yep. Uh, Setha had to bang the engraver for the headstone for the child that she named Beloved. Yes. And that was from, like, the passage in the Bible they were reading. Mm-hmm. Paul D., a fellow slave Setha hasn't seen since they worked together on this sweet home plantation 20 years ago, meets up with Setha. Setha and Paul D. bang pretty quickly. Um, I put, she wants that Paul D., and now I feel really guilty. You should. I, I feel terrible. Yeah, you should. I appreciate trying to add levity to this, but, yeah, you, yeah, you but should it, feel it bad. Yeah. <laughs> what is the whole thing? You're bad, and you should you feel, feel bad. bad. That's pretty much, like, yeah. <laughs> um, Paul D. scares the ghost out of the house, and this is where the book starts splitting into weird, like, things. Part of the story is the present, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. The rest is back and forth into the past of Seth, the baby Suggs, and Paul D. Yes. And these flashbacks often show the same event from different perspectives. Yes. We'll talk about that towards the end. Seth was born to a mother she never knew and sold to the Gardner family at 13. They're the ones who own Sweet Home. Though all the other slaves on the farm were men no one touches her until she makes up her mind about who she wants to be with the fellow slaves are sixo paul d paul a paul f and hallie so obviously they don't really care who they or what they name their slaves they just kind of like give them a horrible almost like they're not people almost like they're naming what they act like are animals (sighs) so setha chooses to marry hallie because of how hard he's worked to try and buy his mother's freedom because his mom was basically getting ready to drop dead working at a kitchen stove Um, Setha and Hallie have two sons, a daughter who is not named, and she's pregnant with her fourth child when Mr. Garner dies. So then Mrs. Garner calls on her sadistic brother to help run the farm, or brother-in-law, sorry. Mm -hmm. And the slaves just refer to him as the school teacher. His horrible beatings turn them into this whole thing. They go, we gotta run. We gotta get out of here. Um, school teacher figures out that the slaves are going to escape, captures Paul D and Sixo, and he kills Sixo and brings Paul D back to Sweet Home and makes him wear an iron bit in his mouth. Um, uh. Setha, is deter- Setha is determined to run as she has already sent her kids ahead to baby Suggs in, Sina- in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. School teacher's nephews violate Setha, which is the nicest way I can put that. They steal milk from her breast like she's a cow. And the whole time, Holly is in the loft and he's horrified, but he's frozen in terror and he just can't do anything. He goes insane and Paul D. finds him sitting by a churn with butter all over his face. Um, Setha tells Miss Gardner what has happened and school teacher has Setha beaten even though she's very pregnant. Even though she's beaten up, she gets herself together, runs into the forest and collapses. And that's where a white girl named Amy Denver evidently helps her. Um, helps her get into a boat and helps get across the river just with someone named Stamphead? Stamphead? Um, baby Set- Suggs cleans up Setha before he let or she lets the kids see her because Setha's in rough shape. Mm-hmm. She spends about a month in Ohio until the school teacher comes back to take them back to slavery. And keep in mind, she's now had baby Denver, like, on the way out of here. Like, yes. on her way across the river. Yes. So rather than give her children up to slavery, Setha decides she's going to kill them in the woodshed so they don't have to deal with everything she's had to deal with. Yeah. Setha's unnamed daughter dies after she starts to carve her throat with a handsaw, and that's the child who ends up being beloved. Yeah, I think the line is, uh, she would have died if I hadn't killed her. Yes. Yeah. That's the tone. That's the tone, (laughs) yeah. So the sheriff ends up taking Setha and baby Denver to jail, but all these white abolitionists fight for her to be freed. Um, Setha goes into hiding and totally depressed at 124, and the community as a whole shuns the family because they're like, well, she killed the baby. That's it. Infanticide is pretty bad. And it, it, it doesn't get better. No. Um, during all of this, Paul D. is on a chain gang in Georgia after trying to kill the master that school teachers sold him to. Mm-hmm. And during a really bad rainstorm, the chain gang members escape rather than drown. And he decides he's going to go north by following spring flowers. Well, that's nice. 
We're suddenly back to present time. Paul D has chased the ghost away and moved in. Denver is lonely because the ghost was her only companion, so she resents Paul D. No, I'm sad. They all go to a carnival and find a strange woman sleeping on the steps of 124 when they get home. Mm -hmm. This woman calls herself Beloved. And this Eh. is where it gets even more horror story, guys. Yep. Denver develops an obsessive attachment. Beloved is crazy obsessed with Satha. Denver develops... Oh, sorry, already about that. Paul D and Beloved hate each other. Mm -hmm. But she begins to control him by throwing him around the house and seducing him against his will. Yeah. It becomes pretty clear that Beloved is the embodiment of the daughter Setha had to murder. Mm-hmm. Paul D finds out about Setha's murder of her daughter as the rough choice and decides to bail out and sleep in the basement of a local church. The, ch- the church, it'll keep you safe. Evidently. Beloved gets more abusive, manipulative, and parasitic. Mm-hmm. Setha becomes obsessed with trying to make sure her demands are met, Beloved's demands are met, and try to make her understand why she had to kill her in the first place and tries to keep up with all the demands at the um, the risk of her health. Yes. Setha begins to waste away. Denver leaves to try and find a former teacher she had named Lady Jones to get help. This help leads to a community organizer named Ella, who's previously worked on the Underground Railroad, trying to help people escape. Um, they arrive at Setha's house and see her on the porch with Beloved, and Beloved is, like, naked and pregnant. Yeah. I had to, like, double-check that, like, three times, so I'm like, hold up, what? Yes. A man named Mr. Bodwin comes out to try and take ten- Denver to a new job because she's been trying to get out of the house. Yeah. But Setha thinks it's school teacher and chases him with an ice pick. Yeah, as you do. Um, she's restrained, and during the confusion, Beloved disappears. Crazy. Setha retreats to Baby Sug's bed to die, bemoaning the loss of Beloved. <sighs> holy crap okay so this was one of those books that like was really hard for me to get through like yes. i had to check this out twice from the library because i, I remember going, mentioning that it's fine it's fine i'll just i'll just finish this later and then yeah. yeah um this book there's a lot of books that hit too close to home this is one of them uh whoo this is not a this is not a light read, guys. No. This is not a this is not a beach read. No, you know if you're reading this on the beach, there's probably a problem with you. On the beach, I read the illustrated history of the Marquis de Sade. Okay, I think what was the hardest thing I read was uh, Scarlet Letter. On the beach? Yeah, I was in high school. Oh, um, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and it was horrible. Yeah, I hate Nathaniel Hawthorne. That's so, a whole other thing. Oh, we're gonna have to read Hawthorne, aren't we? We are, unfortunately. Gosh, gosh dang it! So. I love Toni Morrison. I love mm-hmm. the way she writes. Mm-hmm. But the white people in this book are exhausting. And white people in real life are exhausting. And I say that as a white person. As a black person, I can tell you white people in real life are also exhausting. Because uh, there's something that I love more and love in the biggest air quotes is uh, white people trying to tell me how bad or good slavery was. Uh, yeah. It kind of brought flashbacks when you're like, yeah, I'm tired of this whole narrative about how slaves were taken care of, because that was the line we were fed by Southern relatives. Yeah, no, and, like, you'll get that a lot, that it's like, oh, well, they were ta- there was a, Amber is a friend of mine, she's a historian, also fellow woman of color, uh, there was a book that I sent her on Amazon called A Birthday Cake for Mr. Washington, and it was about uh, the slaves that President George Washington owned, like, getting together to make him a birthday cake, because he was such a good master, and I think... If I, if I were to bring that up to Amber right now, she'd probably hit me. Like, this whole, like, white savior idea that, like, well, we took you out of your mud hut and, like, gave you religion and education and, like, pants. Like, yeah, but you also, like, enslaved us, though. Yeah. It's an exhausting narrative, and I get it. I mean, Germany ran from World War II for a very long time and still does. But uh, they also just don't talk about it. We, and we as a country also don't talk about what we did to the Native Americans either. Nope. I feel like that would be part of a drinking game. Anytime I bring up the... Trail of Tears. The Trail of Tears. Anytime or, I bring up the Tuskegee study or internment. Yes. Our drinking game's gonna be miserable. Hey, does anybody have anything they want to see in our drinking game? Right. If, I, we've been mulling over, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna drink this now. Same. Wait a minute. Uh, We've been mulling over a drinking game. If there's anything that you'd think that you'd like to hear in our drinking game, you know, Tori and Amanda make allusion to how great or horrible high school was. (laughs) Well, you'd be drunk. You'd be like, 
just drink what's left in your glass because it's yeah. going to be a long conversation. Tongue the bottle of the tongue the bottom of the wine bottle. <laughs> Caress the wine bottle as a lover, like. Are <laughs> right. trying to escape this book? I mean, this is kind of like when we read 1984, and I went into a depression for a whole week. I. Yeah, I uh, I I had read the book and then I watched Crash Course, shameless plug, uh, to get myself pumped up for this. And I'm like, how can John Green have any enthusiasm for this book? He loves it. He, he loves about this. it. I will say though, small criticism. He does get a little white savory about it too. We're like, okay, white man, you're not supposed to enjoy this book this much. You're not. You 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 did this. Be quiet. I mean, I think it maybe from his podcast like, thing, he was talking yeah. about how it was the first like real adult book he had. Yeah, made. I think like from a narrative standpoint, you can enjoy it, but like, and I was like, as like a as an opening to empathy, which is what he really described it as, I can respect that. Out of all the books, though, this was the one. I I don't know, man. I just, so the hey, color first book club does some magical things, okay? She do. So the color red, not the color, not to be confused with the color purple. <laughs> oh no, it hurts. Aha. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, red is a really big symbol in this book, which is thus the really bad red wine that we're drinking. I mean, it's not bad. It's not, okay. It's, 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 like I said, it tastes like college. Yeah, it tastes about how much it costs. All right, we'll go with that. So, you see the color red a lot in this book. Yes. Um, there's red velvet that's represented to show a better future. Um, the red tin heart of Paul D. Mm-hmm. Reddish pink tombstone for Beloved. Uh, blood of the daughter, all the colors that Baby Suggs keeps asking for. Mm-hmm. It's it's all over. Um, there's also the tree scars on Seth's back. There's a lot of references to trees and that yes. being freedom and getting out. Um, so they're referred to as choke cherry leaves, and they're all scars from when she was in slavery. Yeah. Um, so initially, Paul D sees them and thinks they're absolutely beautiful, and then realizes like later on what they are, and then yeah. suddenly they're not so beautiful. Yeah, there's a there's this weird fetishization with like scars, especially when it comes like. So we've all seen like that one image of like that one that one slave who had like the scar back. We've all seen that image, and because it's an image and it's old, it's hard to think about how terrible that was and how awful that must have been to endure. Slavery was bad. We just yeah, no, slavery is freaking terrible. It's just it was so bad. So I will say too, scars are weird as well because you know people are always like oh it's your badge of courage and all this stuff and then you touch them and at least in certain cases like I have a scar running up my leg Mm -hmm. and if you touch it it just feels off because all the nerves are offset from where they were before yeah so I can't even imagine the pain and weird like offset feeling a scar is a snapshot of trauma yeah it is a moment in time forever frozen that you You'll never get it back. It'll always be... I'm very vain, so the scars that I have, I've gone very far out of my way to get rid of. Um, I had one on my leg that went from the bottom of my knee to the top of my foot, because I fell across the train tracks. Ow. Yeah, you can see where the rail spike went in. Oh. Yeah. Um. So I spent years getting rid of that scar, because it was a moment that anytime I looked down at my legs, all I saw was that flashpoint of trauma so I can't imagine having physical scarring from such trauma I'm very very fortunate that the trauma that I have has been mostly emotional thanks it's the trauma thanks it's the trauma um I have no physical scars from trauma in that way um except for apparently one of my uncles who almost broke his finger carrying my mom ow she was a heavy lady I, ow. Yeah. Oh. Thought even going into the ground. So there's also the tobacco box heart that yes. Paul D. Re- is referring to about how he's had so much pain and so much suffering that his heart has just rusted over. Mm-hmm. Can't be opened. You can't access it. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, slowly the rust starts flaking off. Yeah. Um, the earrings that Setha gets. Yeah. Those are hard because it's, first of all, she doesn't have pierced ears. So it's like, you're getting ready to endure something. They're given to her by Mrs. Garner, the Mm -hmm. slave owner as a wedding present. Yeah. But it's almost like 
and I'm going to just put this out there. She's forcing upon a traditional norm yeah. to somebody else who doesn't, isn't ready for that. I mean, she doesn't have pierced ears. She doesn't yeah. have any thing like that, but she's so obsessed with those earrings and she ends up like holding on to them. Yeah. And it's also kind of a symbol of like what she wanted. She wanted the marriage with Holly to be a big deal. She wanted it there to be a wedding and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like, no, we just can basically expect you to be a cow. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Um, and you see that a lot with, um, especially when you talk about like religion and slavery, mm-hmm. these little places where you can uh, re-solidify your culture and your decency. A lot of that, uh, at that point, it's not even like white hegemony. It's being forced upon by white uh, normative traditions. Uh, it runs deep. So there's a reason why my name is an ethnic. <laughs> uh, because there's not a collective memory to go back to what a more ethnic name would be. That just doesn't exist for my family. Because, um, you know, I love that question. Why is your name so white? I don't know, almost like white hegemony is a thing. Uh, okay. That's the noise I have for this book. Um... Also, something that gets brought up a lot is the mother's milk. Yes. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. And the fact that um, milk was forcibly taken from Setha. Yeah, it was. It's, she's she's wanting to raise her own children and take care of them and be their mother like she should be allowed to be. Mm-hmm. And instead, I mean, there's a line later on about, oh, here it is. Motherhood... Um, when your children can't be yours, it's one of the big themes going through. Mm-hmm. Nobody stops playing checkers just because it's with your children. Yes. And it's horrifying. I mean, I have a stepdaughter and I would do anything for her, yeah. but it's one of those things where it's like, I can't imagine her mom not being allowed to be around her yeah. or hold her or see her. And it's just mind boggling. And it's, it's something just, that we still deal with when it comes to, you know, uh, the way that black mothers are especially seen as incompetent and then forced into the welfare state and things like that. Like, it's a continued thing that the U.S. has had a not-so-great history of taking away ethnic children from their parents. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about Hawaii. Oh. Because I ain't got time for that. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a mess. Like, the... I, I don't know how we look at American history during this period and have so much pride. I just don't. Like I I look back at it and I look and I my favorite thing, people like, yeah, the, the, the glory days of the South. Glorious for whom, may I ask? Rich white dudes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Alright. Take a drink. Take a drink. It got too heavy. Take a drink. Woo! Eat some cheese. Enjoy your life. Um, the mother's milk thing also ties back into another theme where they show how slavery really just equates other human beings to animals. Yep. Um, there's a whole part about obviously Setha being milked. Um, there's a line, you have two feet, not four, Mm -hmm. um, slaves having sex with cows because they have no other way to have sex. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or then having the analogy being, if you sleep with a slave, it's like sleeping with a calf. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaking horrifying. Yeah. It's all a hot, hot mess. Um, and that fetishization and almost beastification of black women is still a thing that you see. Oh yeah. I can say this as a woman of color who's dating and like out in the universe looking for a, a partner. Uh, whew. Nothing quite like getting like jungle lingo lobbed at you. Holy crap. I just, why? Why? Why do you think in 2019 that that still does it for me? Yeah, my whole thing is just like, do you really think equating somebody with an animal is going to make them be like, oh my god, let me take my pants off? Yeah, like, I'm not a furry. I don't want that. Not to kink, well, no, to kink shame furries. That's why. I don't get to kink shame many people. I'll kink shame furries. (laughs) I'm trying to run away from this book. It hurts too much. We're sorry, man. We're sorry. You um, as white people are sorry? I, I would like to represent white people in saying I'm sorry, but unfortunately I know that a lot of people where we live probably okay. won't go with me on it, but I I would like to say we're sorry. Uh, and as a black person, there's a lot of black people who would not accept your apology. And that is okay. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. accept my apology. Yeah. Um, we have conversations all the time where I go, 
you've got to be exhausted and then go. I am. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you one more thing that you should be feeling. <laughs> it's like, and then just me quietly saying, "Yes, I am." Do we want to talk about that horrible promposal sign that I sent you? Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> so some dipshit. <laughs> Thought in Ohio. Be, in Ohio, of all places, you guys, you're far enough north that you should know better. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Hey! Hey, it all ties back into the book. Um, he made a sign that said, If I was black, I would be picking cotton, but as I am white, I'm picking you for prom. Who let him out of the house? Yeah, who who saw this happening and was like, this checks out? Because I'm sorry, I don't see any teenage boy buying his own poster board. Mm-mm. And those letters had to have been done by a cricket cutter. Yeah. So that means that either your mom let you or your yeah. mom helped you. Or your, or your friend dad helped you. you. Or your friends helped you. And what is, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? No, I don't. And, and that... He was shocked when someone said it was racist. Like, how? How do you not know that that's racist? Well, we've had that conversation, too, about how so many places are like, oh, we we like to decorate with little buds of cotton. And we're like, why? No, there um, there was an event at, like, a college where, like, the president of the university had, like, I think it was, like, black scholars over... And he served him, like, an authentic meal. And it was, like, oh, fried Jesus. chicken and, like, mac and cheese. And he had, like, little cotton stalks, like, in vases on the table. And they were like, this is get out. Like, this is yeah. like this isn't good for us. We need to leave. This is yeah. full Django Unchained. We need to get out of here. Okay. I mean, everybody loves fried chicken. And if you don't get out of my house. But unless you don't love fried chicken, in which case I'll make an exception. Oh, no, I do. But it's just, like... No better. No better. And if not, learn from your mistake. Fun don't fact. Be making it. Fun fact. I don't eat fried chicken in public lest I become a stereotype. I take that home. I don't want to be that black. Is that why I don't drink pumpkin spice lattes in public? That might be. You're ashamed. I am ashamed. You're ashamed. I get a little powder mix and stir it up from yeah. Starbucks and then I'm like, I'm just drinking coffee. You can't judge. No, like, I, I ate chicken wings in front of my coworkers. Like, this is the most black we've ever seen you. It's like, this is it? They seriously said that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't point out black people eating chicken. Don't touch people's hair. <laughs> don't touch people's tattoos. And don't touch a pregnant woman's stomach. Thank you. Also, don't go to a black person, run your finger across their arm, and say, well, this didn't come off. Holy shit. And that didn't happen to me. I'm fine. Oh, okay. I read about it on the internet. Uh, Man, if that had happened to me, I would be in jail. Yeah, I was sitting there going, I don't, I don't see you taking that lightly. I'd be in prison. <laughs> because like an eagle, I would have yanked somebody's hand off. You're coming for our wigs. I, yes. So we saw this cartoon. Hi, we're deflecting from the book again. It hurts too much. Um, Let so us have this. Sarah Scribbles is like one of the best things I've yes, seen on the internet. Yes, I love her. And she has this one thing about when you have a super hyper fixated <laughs> yes. interest in something. <laughs> then you and then find like, another person. And uh, my husband decided to put that on uh, Amanda in my profiles. And then um, we felt like someone was coming for our wigs. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's like gay lingo for um someone really like gunning for you because when you have your wig snatched off your head like you're like the most vulnerable and exposed you could ever be like if you're like in mid-performance and someone comes up behind you and just snatches your wig like that's about as vulnerable as you can get okay so here's the thing unless you are a hairdresser and you have been advised to do someone's yeah, hair don't, snatch don't touch someone's hair yeah please don't it was a especially like in the ballroom scene in new york like that was a way to like show that your displeasure for someone Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Ballroom gay culture is a trip. I want to know more. Next podcast. Next podcast. Next podcast. Um, So, do you have to keep talking about how bad slavery was? um, We can. I mean, I think they get the gist of it. If you don't by now, report to my office immediately. Yeah, email is unfortunately required reading and will help you. Please tell me how you think that the Civil War was caused over states' rights. So, I'll respond personally. There there are a lot of things about 
just remembering of U.S. history as themes. Yeah. Love being different to everyone. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So this is where I had a hard time with the book because um, I am Southern and I've gotten to experience uh, the thickness of Southern black love. Uh, my family is that of a Tyler Perry family. It's why I don't like Tyler Perry movies. It all reads too close to home. And uh, if you listen to a lot of Southern black people talk, it is this weird dual consciousness of wanting you to succeed, but also not wanting you to go too far. Um, I dealt with that with my mom. I dealt with that with my aunts. I dealt with that with a lot of people in my life. So the idea of love being too thick and love being a killer, that all rang too close to home for me. Like, the things that I take away from this book are, that is true. And that is a shared memory that when you think about the collective trauma of what it meant to be Black for a very long time, uh, it makes sense that our love is so thick. But it is also suffocating. It is like molasses, and it is here to drown you if you do not find a way to escape. I'm like, love is different to everyone. <laughs> and then I'm here with my dirge about how painful it is to be black sometimes. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of us doing Toni Morrison Month, though. Welcome to Toni Morrison Month. Everything is pain. Next time we're doing Sula. Sula! Which I asked if it was slightly less painful. I, yes. It's more painful for me on a personal level because I feel that one a lot more in my bones. But like as like a book, it's a whole... It's it's great. And for June, we're planning gay month. I'm so excited for Pride Month. Yeah. It's like LGBTIQA. QIA. QIA. Okay. And you can just do like a plus. You can just do LGBTQ plus, which I love. That lets everyone just find themselves. That's... Well, that feels like anytime you listen to a podcast, they're like, and for our plus extension. Sorry, yeah. Mysterious Universe. I love you guys very much. Yeah. Like, I, I like the plus because then you can just add yourself because there's still a lot of infighting in the gay community on who belongs and who doesn't. It's kind of fun about how any culture, there's there's infighting. And this is what I've learned from, from the uh, comic circuit. Uh-huh. Or comic con circuit, I should say. Mm -hmm. not, I'm not a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not that funny. Um, but, like every little nerd group that I've been part of, it's yeah. like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go after the kid for calling it, or calling him Doctor Who, okay? Yeah. That was a thing that they did a long time ago. He's technically right. So I definitely won't call it fun, just because the tribalism in the LGBT community exists for a reason. Like, a lot of the slurs that I've heard in my life as being a bi person have been at gay, have been, like, from gay men and from les women. It hasn't been from straight people. It's been from people within my own community. Like, oh, you're going through a phase, pick a side, you're a trap. Like, things like that have not been lobbed at me from straight people. It's been lobbed at my brothers and sisters. So that tribe, what, this is a whole topic. Tribalism exists for a reason. Like, uh, the tribalism and feminism exists because we have TERFs. Mm -hmm. TERFs are a thing. Uh, for people who don't know what a TERF is. A TERF is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Uh... Which basically means that you don't accept trans women, trans as, women. women as women. Yes. And um, that you're pretty vocal about that. Too. Like, grossly vocal about it. Yeah. Um, that tribalism, I mean, the gay community has a ton of racism. Let's just be frank. A ton of racism. There's a ton of ageism. There's a ton of sizeism. Like, there's a ton of that within the LGBT community. So that tribalism exists for a reason. And do you think that's just from, you know being raised in a society that does that too oh yeah i mean okay. it just it's it's a mirror of and then um it's the loudest voices rise to the top and it's usually oh, yeah. the the cis uh fancy white guys who get to speak the loudest when we forget that during stonewall it was two trans women of color that led the march and everyone tends to forget that especially that horrible movie that decided to whitewash it entirely uh we tend to forget those figures and we tend to forget our history that again like ballroom culture was predominantly people of color. So when you talk about, like, making all the noises and death drops and, like, wake snatch, watch Paris is Burning, that was all ballroom culture, was, which was predominantly queer people of color. You want to talk about voguing, that's queer people of color. It ain't Madonna. <laughs> um, so that tribalism exists for a reason. So, like, when black gays get together and we don't like talking to white gays, there's a reason for that. It's not just because one group wants to be stuck up. And that also exists in society. Like, uh, I love when people are like, 
well, the black people didn't integrate well into white society. I wonder why. Huh, I wonder why. Years of abuse and put-downs and... And then uh, continued instances of where trust would be breached. Like, I watch a lot of live PD. Fun fact about me, I love live PD. It's one of the best pieces of police propaganda to ever exist. And this whole idea, like, why don't you trust the cops? Like, do you have time? Do you have time to listen to this black person say why we don't trust the police? Pretty sure there's a list of names. Yeah, pretty sure there's, just in modern history, a list of reasons. Let's go back to the times when we were people and you were used to capture us as if we were escaped house pets. Ah! I just thought about that. Oh my gosh, they really did equate it to your dog getting out. That's literally what it was. Like, the, like the Fugitive Slave Act and everything. It's like, oh yeah, my property ran out. Shit. Yeah. Slavery was bad. Shit. Mm-hmm. This, this kind of goes into definitions are set by definers and not the defined. Yep. Ugh. I love and hate this book in equal measure right now because it hurts, but it needs to be talked about. Yeah, I think I think if I, I mentioned this as being one of the books that every black person gets, like you get like a bushel of books. This is one of them. I think every white person needs to read this book. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Because I, I think, like, yeah, like, you lose that empathy. Because here's the thing. Empathy is not the same as shame. I don't want you personally to be ashamed of slavery. That's not my role in this life. I want you to understand the remarkable amount of privilege that you have because of what you are. That's all that I want. I feel like we should put together a list of, like... Recommended reading. Recommended empathy basket. Oh, Yeah. You know what, we should actually, um, if we reach a certain milestone, we should actually like, make one and give it away. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, like give it to like a school or something. Aww. Here's your empathy basket. Here's your empathy Don't basket. Don't be shitty. Can we send it to um, Newport Harbor High School? Is that your school? No, um, but unfortunately students from mine were involved. Um, so a oh, few no. months back. <laughs> oh no. Dipshit is my favorite word for this podcast, by the okay. way. Okay. Um, a bunch of students decided to get together and play beer pong. First of all, you are too young. Yeah, first of all, you're underage. Um, and they decided to make a swastika out of the red cups. Like, what a great idea. No, don't do that shit. So, like, they had students from, unfortunately, my high school, which shall not be named, mm-hmm. um, who were involved as well. Mm-hmm. And so then they had to have a bunch of people come out and explain why being racist towards Jews was wrong. Yeah. And I'm just like, I swear to God, do you just not read Eli Wazell anymore? Do you not? And there's an alarming, like 40% of people who don't believe in the Holocaust anymore or don't know anything about the Holocaust. I was reading an article about it and I'm like, Oh my God. Or they minimize the Holocaust too. It's like, it wasn't that bad. No, it was freaking terrible. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I just watched a video about, um, the Hitler industrial complex of like why we see so much Hitler stuff like in the media. And it's because we have such a hard time wrapping our heads around what he did that we have to like keep grappling at it. But because of that, he's lost a lot of his bite. Oh, like how the history channel basically. The Hitler channel. It was the Hitler channel. The Hitler channel. And now it's the alien channel. And I appreciate that. It's the swamp people and alien channel. Gosh. I love George Chazakis. I think that's how you say his name. Sukalos? Sukalos. Thank you. George Tanziki sauce. He's, like, the nicest man. Yeah, Giorgio Sucolos. He's wonderful. And his wife is beautiful. You mentioned. I'm sorry. Like, I, I was obsessed a Can you bit. see us, like, just feverishly backpedaling from how horrible slavery is? Like, I, I, I can't. Yeah, like I said, we can't wrap our head around how yeah. awful it is. I'm, but, I, I mean, I, I don't have this privilege of uh, being a, a white. <laughs> I know. I can't imagine having the responsibility of that like, if I was German, I'd probably also want to very much distance myself from the Hitler. I would also very much like to... Because, again, like, you personally didn't enslave me. In fact, you have knocked dishes out of my hand as I tried to clean up in this place sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like, no! Please don't do that to me. Yeah, like... Just enjoy being a guest, I swear to God. And I've never really... Dude, I feel guilt when you make a cheese plate. I'm like, can I, can I do that for you? And I'm like... just like, whatever, fine. And then... Can I tell you about one moment of rebellion that I've staged? Yes. So in a particular setting, um, I started making coffee very, very early in the morning because I'm a good, thoughtful Southern person. And the moment that it became an expectation of me, I stopped doing it. Uh, I'm Southern. 
So because I'm Southern, I am polite. I leave houses cleaner than when I arrived. For real. Yeah, like, I bring baked goods because that's the only way I know how to cope. Like, this is just who I am. Amanda, honest to God, anytime there is a major trauma, um, not to get too personal, but there's yeah. some recent stuff going on, it is, what baked good can I bring you? And it's like, no, 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 it's fine. We don't need food. No, but seriously, what baked good can I bring you? Oh, no, like, when my mom died, I think we got flowers in a peach cobbler. Which does not bring the dead back to life, but certainly does help. I was like, peach cobbler is pretty great. Peach cobbler is amazing. We got a bunch of peaches on that tree as long as, as soon as they ripen. This time, don't cut your finger off. Don't tell me how to live my life. Okay. You can actually still feel the scar tissue. Oh. I sliced my thumb open cutting peaches, and uh, the genius that I am, I wrapped my finger in paper towels, drove myself to the Walmart, got Cheetos, bandages, and a cut-safe glove, tended to my wound, and resumed slicing peaches. This is Amanda in a nutshell. It was the best peach cobbler I ever made. It's like, huh, again, thanks, it's the trauma. I, I was very focused on the on the cobbler. Oh my god. I bled for 30 minutes and didn't think that was a bad thing. I just sat there and dealt with it. Like, cool, this is this is my life now. I kind of feel like if any psychologists or psychiatrists are listening to this podcast right now. Oh, like, I'm a nightmare. They're like, look at all this deflection. Look, look at this. Look at, you're like trying to work. <laughs> all right, let's, let's finish this up. Do we have to? I was having such a good time. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about literary style. Yeah, let's talk about literary style. So uh, this novel bounces back and forth between a uh, first person and third person and then past and present a couple times. Mm -hmm. Uh, as if you really, as if the past is really the past, which is what is said in the book. Thank you, Toni Morrison, for being a better writer than I ever will be. Uh, I will never be this good in my life. I've just embraced it. I mean, you could be this good in the smart world. You I, are this good in the smart world. I think so, yes. Oh, I have to read Grey. I mean, I'm not going to force you to. Thank you. Okay. Black privilege! <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have that. You don't have to read about a rich white man. <laughs> getting <laughs> off getting off horribly. Praise be. Especially not after Beloved just spells inappropriate. We'll need to come up. Yeah, right? Oh, we'll no. We need to come up with, like, another contest kind of thing. Like, hey. Yeah, we'll have to do a more suitable punishment. But um, that's one of the things that makes the book a little bit hard to uh, get through sometimes. And I can understand stylistically it's a bit hard to get through. Also, we... Uh, we didn't bring up our what if like we had with uh, our last book. At the end, do you think that Beloved was a real person or was a ghost? Ooh. Because John Green posits that. And yeah. I had forgotten about that because I wanted to forget this book. <laughs> Let's be frank. I wanted to forget this book. But do you think at the end that that is a real person or a ghost? Wow. That's actually really difficult. I know. Um, that's why I asked. <laughs> Because part of me is like, what if it's a demon? Yeah. Because just the way that she suffers and starts mm -hmm. wasting away. This is why it's dangerous when you're into, like, paranormal, paranormal and cryptid, and I don't, too. And I don't say that, because John Green also, like, lampoons this question. Where he's like, you're, look, you're focusing at the least interesting part of the book. I'm like, no, I think it is interesting. I think it's very interesting that when you are abused, you allow yourself then to be abused by others. So then when a parasitic force comes into your life, it is very easy for you to let yourself be abused. That literally happened to me. I am a victim of abuse. I've said that before. So when my friends then turned abusive, I didn't notice it. A trauma does traumatize. Mm -hmm. And it leaves you very numb to a lot of things. So the idea that this form of beloved might be just an actual parasitic creature, like a woman who's just feeding off of an already shitty situation, that's not the least interesting part of the book to me. So there we go, John Green. I disagree with you. I kind of feel like I'm going to be in, in the demon camp. You're in I'm the demon camp? A, so. What is, what, is, what is the banner of the demon camp? I don't want to think about it. I do. Um, it's, it involves a lot of like weird symbols. Yes. Um, so something you read about in a demon representation is a lot of times they take the form of children. Yeah. A lot of um, demon kids. Especially when people are like, hey... 
we're going to break out the spirit board and we're going to communicate. We're going to forget to close it properly. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a crying child. No. Oh, I have to go and rescue it. No. Yeah. So that's kind of what it feels like. And then Mm -hmm. it, you know, presents as this woman. But I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, man. There's already so much horror in this book. Yeah. That, like, it almost sucks more to think that it's like a succubus or something. I'm like, personal demon. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand that if you are a white person trying to ignore the validity of this novel, you could get buried in the weeds of is this a real person or not. So to that, if, if that's what John Green is saying by this is the least interesting, interesting part of the book, I get it. Like, if you are using this to discredit the power of this novel, then one, you're wrong. Two, shut up. Three, okay. I think the passage I passages I focused on most was just Seth's decision to end her child's life because she knew how much worse it would be. Yeah. And and we see that narrative a lot. That's why I don't like Black Panther. That whole idea of, like, death is better than bondage. That's why I don't like that movie. We have too much of that in black culture. We could have less of that. Are you talking about Killmonger? Yeah. That, like, ruined that movie for me. Like, I was, like, full, like, Wakanda forever until that last part. And I'm like, no. I have to be really careful because anytime we watch Infinity War and they, like, break out the, like, their weapons and those really cool blanket things that turn into the barrier. I'm like yelling, Wakanda forever! I mean, you're allowed to do that because I know you're not a garbage human. I try not to be a garbage human. No, you're human. not. You're not a garbage human. <laughs> I like garbage animals. I also love garbage animals. Every time I see a raccoon or a possum, I just send it to you. Yes. Um, but, like, that narrative hurts me so much. Because, uh, again, I've been on the receiving end of that very, very thick version of Southern Love. So even though I never had to worry about my arm getting cut off or anything as a kid, uh, sometimes it definitely felt that way emotionally. Yeah. Can we talk about the carnival? Wasn't we the let's carn- talk about the carnival. Wasn't wanna, that nice? I like want to give you a hug. I'm okay. Okay. Just drink more wine. Just drink more wine. Just drink more wine. I feel like we should put a disclaimer. If this was a TV show, there would just be a banner running around the bottom that says, we do not promote alcoholism. Please seek help. Like, I mean, I feel like we're the truest, and this is why we drink, and we pronounce names correctly. What? Sorry. Okay, so the, the carnival was really nice. The carnival was really nice, and the set it like represents the fact that they have this beautiful like future, and yeah, and then all of a sudden they come back, and beloved's on the porch. I mean, like I was so excited because Paul D's like, all right, let me like totally Zach Bagans this shit. Come out here. I will yeah. fight you. I also love that he uses, like, a combination of, like, African magic and, like, Christianity to get rid of the ghost. Like, yeah. that made me so happy because we just read that horrible book about appropriating voodoo. So, there is a comic book out there <laughs> called Punk Mambo. And now, having read Zora Neale Hurston's Tell My Horse, I was a bit horrified and sent it over to Amanda and went... Why is the main character in this voodoo book white? Gotta love a manic pixie dream girl. <sighs> All right, we gotta keep going. I we know, do. I know. We we want to stop. No, we can keep going. Um, so back to literary style. Um, so you would put this note in that mm-hmm. they move from first to third, from past to present. Yeah. Um. And the note, as if the past isn't really the past. Yes. And that's very familiar. And you'll see this, too, when you're talking about a family member who has passed on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very normal to slip into, oh, they're this. They are. Yeah. Versus they were. Yeah. Um, I still do this with my dad all the time. Yeah. My dad does. Oh, okay. Um, because they're existence is still very real to you. Yeah, even if you're not physically here. They're still there in your emotions, in your thought patterns, in your life. And so with this book going back and forth, there's a lot of ambiguity. Ambiguity. Sixo may be dead, but he's still very much alive in memory. So loosely quote, welcome to Night Vale. Uh, The power of ghost stories is the fact that every person that you lose um, leaves you haunted and hollow. That the real ghost is the fact that you will never be able to be rid of them. Uh, which was not a 
dead parent approved episode of Welcome to Nightville. Yeah. Uh, where I sat in a, or I sat in the Aztec theater, very sad for a little while. Um, that's the power of ghost stories is knowing that, um, those people don't leave. Like my, uh, the house that my grandfather, uh, built, he haunted that house. We knew he haunted that house. And there was a strange comfort to knowing that he haunted that house. Because we had one of those, uh, like, those, like, plastic, uh, don't fall mats. Mm-hmm. And we could always hear his little step. Just shuffling along. I'm sorry, I'm panicked making sure that we're still recording. I wanted to do that as well, but there was no way for me to casually do so. Okay. I'm sorry. No, you're great. You made I a have really trauma. good point, and then I'm like, ah! I have trauma now over losing an episode. Um, the whole thing, too, about... You and me have more yesterday than anybody. Oh, that that line. Oh, it's Paul D to Setha. Yeah, I would love for someone to say that to me in a positive way. Like, I don't want to. I don't want someone necessarily as traumatized as me, but like, that just gave me so much hope. We got to start looking forward to tomorrow. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, and I was really pulling for Setha. I I think <laughs> like, we all were. Um, and I was like, Denver, you go because you're. Trying to find a job and trying yeah. to get out and just Den- like Denver's yeah. just doing her best. Denver was doing well. She's definitely doing her best. Yeah, is she's? Yeah. I don't know. I'm like I don't even know. And nobody got really got hit with the ice pick, so nobody got Trotsky'd. We're okay, ma'am. Um, <laughs> let's go into more about Toni Morrison because she's amazing. Toni Morrison is a badass. Is she still with us? She is very crazy. Um, I-, I wonder how she feels about this current uh. Dating times. Um, there's actually a movie coming out about her. Oh, good. It's I wonder really if she cool. has a Twitter. I I don't know. Look it up. I am. So she was bo- born Chloe Ardelia Wolford, February 18th, 1931. Mm-hmm. She has won so many awards. I do have to tell you on Wikipedia, there's just a list. And yes. it's long. But the big ones I want to uh, talk about are the Pulitzer Prize, mm-hmm. the American Book Award for Beloved. Mm-hmm. She won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1993. Badass achievement. The National Endowment for the Humanities selected her for the Jefferson Lecture, which is the highest honor for achievements in humanities for the U.S. government. Yes. She got the National Book Foundation Medal of Distinguished Contribution to American Letters. Mm -hmm. Barack Obama presented her with the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2012. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, the the Penn Sawbellow Award for Achievement in American Fiction um, was what she won. Her power is over 9,000. She does not have a Twitter because she has better things to do with her life. Yes. She is the most awarded author we've ever covered on this podcast. Yes, she is. All hail Toni Morrison. All hail Toni Morrison. Um, she was born in Lorain, Ohio. So when she talks about Ohio, she knows what she's talking about. She sure do. Um, she is the second of four children. Her mother was from Alabama. Her father from Georgia. When her father, George, was 15, he saw two black businessmen on the street get lynched by white people. He <sighs> left Georgia for Ohio and... Never, claimed he never saw the bodies, but everybody in the family knew better. Yeah. Um, when Tony was two, her family's landlord set the house on fire when they're home because they hadn't paid their rent yet. Because that's a logical way to handle that situation. What the hell, right? Okay. Um, they chose to laugh it off instead of choosing despair. And that was a big thing in their family. Yeah. Um, which I don't think my family would have done that. I think we would have been like, okay, we're coming after you. I think we would have laughed it off as we burned the other person's house down. Yeah, there you go. Slytherin. Slytherin. Their family had a very big storytelling tradition. They told a lot of African-American folk tales, ghost mm-hmm. stories, and they sang together. And Toni Morrison ended up loving Jane Austen and Leo Tolstoy. Woo! This is all dirt per Wikipedia. So if I'm wrong, Toni, please tell me. I love you. Um, she attended Howard University, traditionally black college. Hell yeah! In 1949. And she got her master's in arts from Cornell after she did the uh, initial undergrad. She taught English at Texas Texas Southern University in Houston for two years. Can I just go ahead and pause you right there? Can you imagine what it must have been like to have an English class taught by Toni Morrison? Oh my god. I would... I would. I'd, oh god. And you know what? The students probably didn't appreciate it at nope. the time. Oh god. That, that, that raises my blood pressure. I did have a teacher that I, I absolutely loved in college. She had evidently been left by her husband, who was another member of the faculty. And so know. she would read us, like, love poetry for things and be like, this is all bullshit. Let me tell you what this is really about. Oh, God. But, um, yeah, that's how I learned about the Earl of, I can't remember his name. He wrote all the, like, porn poetry. 
and use the C word a lot. Anyway, moving on. More Toni Morrison. More, t- more Toni Morrison. Um, she was at Howard University for seven years, and she met her husband there. Mm-hmm. She and he divorced in 1964. They had two kids. She was actually pregnant with her second kid when they divorced. I don't know if that has anything to do with the part that uh, Seth is pregnant when she leaves and um, beloved, but we won't go into that. Nope. Um, Toni Morrison became an editor of the textbook division at Random House, and two years later became the first black woman as a senior editor in the fiction department. Because she is a fucking boss. Yes, she is. Um, she ended up helping promote African-American writers, which is why we have so many more African-American writers now. Praise be. In, pup, in print, which is great. Um, I'm going to try and narrow down her writing career in a few sentences, but it's not going to do any justice. Um, the Bluest Eye is her first book. It was published when she was 39. And it became college reading, and it super boosted her sales. Mm-hmm. She became a major powerhouse in African-American literature. And then Oprah covered her and made the movie of Beloved. So the Oprah effect is a real thing. Yeah. Um, now that Oprah doesn't really have a TV show anymore, Barnes & Noble employees are in, in relief. Um, just because anytime she would announce a book on her show, there would be a huge run at the store. And we Even would freak the books out. that are done by liars. Yes. I read that book. Jonathan, no. I'm thinking a different book. A Million Little Pieces? A Million Little Pieces. I read yeah. that book. When I was too young to appreciate that book, but I related to too much of it. So I remember reading the passage in there where he's talking about having dental surgery with no medication. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> Shenanigans. But that's the only part that I was like, oh, really? Um. Anyway, back to this. Tawny Morrison obviously has won countless awards. She's produced a ton of work. She is a solid writer. And if I could get you just to read anything, just read a, a Tawny Morrison book. Yeah, just, 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 just read just one. one. Just one. Um. She is very outspoken, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. In 2015, she was talking about the deaths of Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Walter Scott, mm-hmm. three armed, unarmed black men killed by white police officers. And yeah. she said, quote, people keep saying we need to have a conversation about race. This is the conversation. I want to see a cop shoot a white unarmed teenager in the back. And I want to see a white man convicted for raping a black woman. Then you and you ask me, is it over? I will say yes. Amen. Um, there is a movie coming out June 21st called The Pieces I Am. Mm-hmm. I am dying to see this movie. I keep trying to get a PR copy. Yeah. Um, That's right after Juneteenth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Juneteenth is coming. Juneteenth is coming. I'm excited. We got to do something for the podcast. That's during Pride, though. I mean, we could put, like, a, a thing up. I wonder if there are any gay people of color. Uh, a lot. I doubt. That's why I was. I was like, let's bring out some Baldwin. Yes. Okay, anyway. Um, did this book do anything for us, and did we have to read it in school? Um, this is a part of the basket that you get as every uh, black person in America. It did too much for me, which is why it hurt reading it. It does hurt. It hurts a lot. It hurts it's a lot. great, but it hurts a lot. The love is too thick. The love is too thick. Um, we did not have to read this in school, because I went to school in California. <laughs> and there was nothing bad that happened in California. No, there's a lot of bad th- Anyway... Um, and my daughter has informed me as my stepdaughter has informed me as of today that she doesn't have to read anything in school. So that's going to end pretty quick. Yeah. I'm going to be giving her some books. Um, you gave her a book today. I did give her a book today. Thank you. Of course. Um, we use many resources other than just reading the book. Yes. Our favorite is crash course. Crash course. Um, also Thug Notes has a really good episode. Thug Notes has an amazing episode. It was, it was really good. I was listening to it when I was at work and I probably shouldn't have been. Um, Spark Notes always kind of helps me. A tried and true favorite. Yeah. I go through and help make sure that I haven't forgotten anything when I'm doing the short story long. Yep. Um, and then always Wikipedia a little bit. So far hasn't failed us. But just remember, Wikipedia, you can kind of go in and edit, so... I'll be trying to make sure that I fact check stuff. Yep. So as mentioned, we're reading Sula. Woo! That's going to be our next book to close out Tony Morrison May. I'm excited. I'm excited too. And then we'll give you a heads up uh, next podcast about what our book selections are going to be for LGBT plus. Yeah. June. Um, again, if you think of anything that we say a lot or what you would like to see as part of a drinking game, let's let us know. know. Yeah, let us um, know. I don't know why. That just seems like fun when you have to read things like 1984. So, we are all over social media. We are. We're really bad about updating. I'm really bad about updating. 
Amanda is a queen of, of social media. I just need to give her passwords. I wish you would. I'm just going to give you passwords and be like, do what you want. Woo! Um, unfortunately required reading on Facebook. Yep. Unfortunately RR on Twitter. Unfortunately required on Instagram. If you want to see what our alcohol and cheese plates look like. Yep. Unfortunately required reading.com. And if you'd like to suggest a book for the podcast, have a funny story about an English class or literature, or just want to say hi, we're at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Now, please go read a book. <laughs>